0: With the food that we do at Sixpenny, we just want to sort of showcase the product in itself. And that's where we strive to find the best of the best. Being able to use these smaller producers, they have a, a point of difference, which makes it nice to be able to use them and just showcase them and with a piece of, piece of protein, just serve it with a sauce and maybe a little garnish on the side or, or, or things like that.
1: This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Connection made through food can be lifelong, whether it be putting your hands in the soil to discover what it takes to farm or grow quality produce, or sharing food with friends and family. As a child, Aaron Ward spent a lot of time on his grandparents' farm and it ignited a love for food that has seen him trailblaze a career as one of our best young chefs. So, Aaron, sixpenny, is one of Australia's best restaurants, but you've made a name for yourself with baking of late. Is this something you've always been interested in?
0: Uh, yeah, I think I've had a, I, don't know, I think it's been a, a little bit of a calling of mine. Like I, I enjoy baking and sort of, not so much the sweeter side of things, like I, I enjoy the, the bread side of things and um, and croissants lately. Uh, they've been a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's always been sort of a passion. Like I've done it, since um my grandparents sort of have a they have a dairy or used to have a dairy farm. So going there and um they they would bake their own bread and, and that sort of thing in the mornings and and that kind of thing. So that was pretty exciting and I think I've just sort of just done it from there. Um yeah, just just continued it on I guess.
1: Sixpenny is one of the most um, beautiful and unique restaurants in Australia and Dan Puscas is a bit of an enigma and not in the limelight as much as some other chefs. Um, what's it like working in that kitchen with Dan?
0: Yeah, it's it's good, it's enjoyable. Like it like you said it's not really in the, in the in the limelight as much as uh some other restaurants, but I think that's sort of what we like about it as well. It's like in a small suburb, just well, it's not really outside of Sydney, but it's a little bit out of the c b d and um yeah, I think that's what makes it so so nice like you can come out of the city, you just get on the train or or a couple of minute drive um out west and it's sort of yeah you're in like the this country streets almost feel like there's across the road there's a small there's a pizza shop a a fish shop there's a there's a barber little pub down the road, and then there's six penny on the corner up near the school, so it's sort of that's one of those things where you you can go you can it's not I don't know it's not not a a location restaurant, but it's sort of it's nice to go there and you can sort of chill, especially on Sundays, like Sunday during lunch service. I don't think there's any better service that's probably my favorite out of a lot of them. Um, everyone's super chilled, like it's such a nice, nice day. the sun comes in the front window, and um, yeah, it's just a nice sort of area to sort of sit, have a glass of wine, have some nice food, and just like relax for the whole day. It's nice.
1: What was food like for you and your family growing up?
0: Um, Food, like growing up as a kid just at at home, it wasn't a really, it wasn't a huge part of of home. Um, We were sort of more focused on playing sports and and that sort of thing. Occasionally I'd sort of bake with my mum or or that sort of thing, but we'd generally be running around outside playing sports. Um, But we'd go to the grandparents' farm sort of every school holidays. We'd go up there and... Which which was out at um out at Musselbrook, out near Scone. Um they had the farm. So that we'd go out there and they'd grow their own fruit and veg and, and they had chickens for eggs and that sort of thing. And like I said before, we we'd bake bread in the morning before breakfast. So nice and early mornings. Um get out, milk the cows and that sort of stuff, all before breakfast and then um collect the eggs and we go have them for for breakfast, which is nice um but they they had their own they would they would kill the some of the cows or the chickens which they'd use for the meat and everything was sort of everything was used using the old uh the saying like nose to tail but like everything everything was sort of was was utilized um we'd be eating sort of cow braised cows tails and and livers from the lambs and and stuff like that instead of I don't know what I was used to sort of eating steak at home i didn't really understand what, what it was about and why we were doing it, um, sort of until I became a became a chef and I was actually cooking professionally um, and sort of actually understood utilizing all those ingredients and and those parts of the animal. Um, it, it, it had to be done, and I, I guess it wasn't it wasn't from like a, a money point of view. It was just the fact of living on the farm and you just wanted to utilize everything that you grew and and sort of and had on the farm there, and it was accessible. You wanted to use everything.
1: What lured you to become a chef? Uh,
0: I think I, I was always I was always into food. Like I, I loved eating food. I guess everyone does, but I, I just enjoyed um, the food side side of things. Like I was good at. Wasn't the greatest at school. Um, I guess every every report card I think I had said the same thing. I talked too much. I was always a social during lessons and that sort of thing. So. Um, Cooking was, I guess, being a part of the kitchen. It was sort of – it was a social side of things as well as, as working. So I think um, playing – yeah, like I, I just think getting into the kitchen, being part of food, um, I was always – I was good at uh, food technology and uh, hospitality at school. So I guess that sort of lured me into it, being good at something. I think it's sort of carried over and, and made a career out of it, which, was, which is probably a smarter thing. Um but then again, I guess playing a lot of team sports growing up as well. Um, I'd play football in winter and, and cricket in summer. So being a part of that team atmosphere, I found cooking was and being in the kitchen was a similar sort of thing. Like you always sort of achieve trying to achieve the same thing, having a good uh, service and like having having happy guests was uh was very similar to sort of winning a game of game of sport as well.
1: Those early years when you were doing your apprenticeship, did you? Was there a moment when you sort of thought, "Yeah, this is this is what I love to do"?
0: Yeah, like I think I always I always wanted to to cook, um, and like early on in the year, the, the apprenticeship, it was it wasn't hard, but like it was always I guess everyone's had their their same sort of struggles. You'd you'd finish school, you'd go into an apprenticeship, and all your mates would be out partying on the weekend, but you'd be at work cooking cooking food until, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. So you'd sort of miss out on all those parties. But I think just the the fact of being in that team atmosphere, I think it was always something that I really enjoyed. Um, it wasn't you had, I don't know, I guess four or five, maybe more people around you that were all in the same sort of boat. Like you you just wanted to do better between the three, the, the, the lot of you. Um, and that's what sort of, I don't know, I was excited about and and kept me into the, the industry now.
1: What's been some of the real key moments in your career and influences that have helped shape you as a chef? Um, the
0: key, I, I think, I think the people around me sort of inspire and influence me. Like I, you see like other chefs that are, you, I'm learning every day, like you learn off all the other chefs and. That are in the kitchen or around you, that are in other restaurants that you see and talk to. Like it's a pretty small industry, especially in in Sydney. Like everyone sort of knows everyone or knows of someone that knows someone. So you you try and learn as much as possible off those guys, and and it just makes it that little bit easier just to learn something every day, which you which you do. Otherwise, you just sort of get a bit stagnant. Um. So yeah.
1: What's some of the key venues that you've worked at um, through your career? Can you take us on a journey?
0: Yeah, I think when I uh, I was I was in I worked in Newcastle for a little while at a restaurant called Bacchus, um, which was sort of my first sort of step into I guess fine dining sort of food. Um, Working there with a chef, the chef there, Tim Montgomery. Um, He was yeah pretty pretty inspirational. Um, to me then and still now, like he, he was so very creative and the way that he plated food was like artwork and, and that sort of thing. So getting into that, that sort of restaurant from, I was only, I think maybe nine, maybe, maybe 20, 20 years old. So sort of stepping into that was a big, big leap from, from me coming from, from country Tari and, and going into Newcastle, um. And that kind of food, like I hadn't really seen. i I'd seen it from Sydney, but hadn't really seen it in Newcastle or anything like that. So that was a bit of a bit of a leap, and and something that I really enjoyed. And I stayed there for a couple of years and and learned a lot from uh, from Tim and the and the team there. Um, but then I guess moving to to Sydney and and working again something completely different in Sixpenny, which was another another massive leap for me. Um, and and staying there for So my first stint was, which was five and a half years. So the stuff that I learned there from, from James, who was one of the previous owners, chefs, um, and, and Dan himself. So yeah, like learning a lot from, from those guys and, and that sort of thing. So it it was good to be a part of at the start and learning how to sort of open up a, open up a restaurant from scratch, I guess. There's a lot of, a lot of hard times and (laughs) a lot of times where I was pulling out my hair and asking myself why I was actually doing it, um, but, but yeah, like it was all, it was all worthwhile. Like we lost a lot of, lot of staff coming in at this, at the beginning. Not that it was too hard. It was just a, I guess there's the setbacks of opening a restaurant. Like things are pretty tough at the beginning. Some people aren't going to like doing it, and some people, some people do like doing it, I guess. And um, yeah, we, it, it was, it was tough at the start. Um, like I said, there was a lot of, a lot of hours. At home, pulling out my hair and asking myself why am i actually doing it. Um, so yeah, Sixpenny six penny was another one, and then um, I guess sort of traveling. I traveled overseas. I got the opportunity to travel overseas a couple of years ago, um, and I sort of I staged in a couple of restaurants over there um, in Copenhagen. Uh, so yeah, I got to stage in uh, Relay and uh, and Amass. So again, those sorts of places sort of were on my list of whether I wanted to eat there and then I got the opportunity to obviously stage there. So that was pretty inspiring. I get to see a mass was like, I think they were close to 90% of no waste um, in their food. Um, so, yeah, it was it was, it was was great and, like, it really opened my eyes on on everything. It wasn't just about putting food on the plate. It was about what was going on behind the scenes as well and trying to mim- minimalize all your waste, whether it came down to, like, reusing like scraps of lemon peels and 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 things like that just little things like that that I hadn't really sort of taken much notice to um but just really sort of opened my eyes into the whole wasting of of food I guess
1: A, a few years ago you um took out young chef of the year in Australia what what was that like and um what sort of impact did that have on you
0: yeah pretty pretty big thing like I guess that's why that's why I did actually travel overseas and stars in those restaurants. I had that was part of the uh the the award and I could I could travel. Um but yeah, it sort of opened a lot of I got to meet a lot of people, which was a which was probably the biggest thing that sort of come out of it and like a lot of the the young chefs that were a part of it are still good mates of mine now. Um but yeah, that was probably probably the biggest thing. Obviously getting to meet a lot of the, the older um chefs as well, which were a, a part of the judging Judging panel, which was pretty, pretty amazing. Just getting to hear what they have to say and and that sort of thing behind the scenes as much as in the the judging panel, like just having chats with them, um, like normal day to day talk about food and, and what's going on. So like having the opportunity to be able to do that was uh, was pretty cool. And um, and yeah, like I said, like getting getting the chance to travel and get to see other people's perspective of food. Um, was pretty amazing as well
1: one of the beautiful things about six penny is the small herb garden in the backyard and the vegetables that are grown on the farm off site well tell us about the average day in the restaurant and and what it's like working in that environment
0: yeah it's sort of when we when we first opened um when james was part of the uh was part of the restaurant we had the the garden down in barrel unfortunately now that he's left it's sort of that's gone as well but um yeah, it was amazing. Like we would travel I think it's about an hour and hour and a half. James would go down twice a week and he'd he'd take one of the chefs or two of the chefs down at least once a week. Um, whether it'd be doing some gardening or whether it'd be picking the picking the uh the vegetables that we had growing down there. But it was just sort of like I said, it comes down to utilising everything and that sort of when you grow it yourself, um, I think you really want to utilize everything. Um, whether it be the leaves of something, or whether whether it's a, with a beetroot, whether you want to just use the whole beetroot, you really want to utilise even the leaves and, and and stuff like the stems and things like that. So I think using, utilising everything that you have when you grow it yourself um, was a massive thing um, that I that I learned. Um, with the with the garden out the back during winter, it's a bit of a, a bit of a dud. It's it's pretty hard because there's a big uh, melaleuca tree that Overhangs the fence, so it sort of shades the whole, the whole herb patch. So it's a bit hard to grow some things uh, during winter, but during summer we have a lot of like lemon verbena and anise hyssop and and lemon balm. There was one stage where we were growing native ginger, um, which is a pretty cool little plant. Like you can infuse. We were infusing uh, a um, a sorbet base with the uh, the leaves, which gave it a sort of a, a musk. A musk lolly sort of flavor which was pretty cool and pretty interesting um and yeah like i said there's a few little things that with the lemon myrtle and and um and a few other little herbs there but you can't really you don't really see that too often um so it's nice to be able to grow a couple of things ourselves
1: dining at six penny is a is a real journey with multiple courses tell us about the connection that you have with farmers and and how you select your produce
0: with sixpenny, it's it's sort of we like to use a couple of small producers where we can. Um, even with our with our faint, final um, savoury course at the moment, instead of sort of having I don't know 180 to 190 portions of, of the one protein, we're sort of running a few different proteins for our final sort of savoury throughout the week. Um, so yeah, whether it's whether we run beef, pork, lamb or duck, we sort of just um, break it up through the week and. And have one service with one protein, and then we'll go for another uh, protein the next night, and 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 so on. So depending on on what night it is, it just depends on what protein we'll run. So it makes it a bit easier to sort of um, use those smaller producers, um, and, and not having to have 180 portions of something, we can sort of break it up and have 30 portions of this and 30 portions of that, or or so on, um, which makes it a little bit easier, plus it makes it a bit more exciting to cook with as well instead of coming in every night and just cooking the same same thing over and over and over, make it a bit more it's a bit more fun to sort of cook something different every night which is which is good
1: with this great connection that you have with the small producers, is there a pig farmer that you can tell us about, and what's so great about what they do?
0: Um, at the moment we're using um a of, uh pork which is. Up, at, uh, up in up in up in Queensland. Um, we we've been using them. We use the the loins. When we get them in, we get them aged on the bone for a couple of weeks, um, and and use those. We find it's like a, a good product. The the ratio of fat to to the meat on the on the actual loin is perfect for what we use. The size of the pig um, is the perfect size, especially being in sort of a a degustation restaurant. You can't couldn't have too big of a piece of uh, big of meat, otherwise it comes down to wastage and you're sort of trimming it back and you're, you're losing a lot to get that sort of that size that you need on the plate. But um, so we were able to use those guys, which is, which is nice. Um, but even even back in uh again touching on that, um, in 2016 I went to it was part of a produce tour. Um, we had the opportunity to go to Melanda Park, which is uh just a little a little north of uh of Richmond. Um, we we're able to walk through the farm and sort of see the ins and outs of, of the farming of the pigs and hear their story and how they began and how it was all started off with growing sweet potatoes as a, as a cover crop. And the pigs used to eat the leftover, leftover leaves that were there and sort of that sort of thing. And just going to small, small guys like that and hearing their, hearing their stories is, is pretty nice. and and yeah, touching touching bases bases of those guys, which is which is good.
1: Does that make you uh, cook differently when you understand the backstory of products like that?
0: Yeah, I think again, you just want to. I think with the food that we do at Six Penny, we just want to sort of showcase, I guess, the product in itself, and that's where we we aim for seeking out these these proteins, or whether with whether its protein or vegetable or or fish or anything like that, we want to strive to find the best of the best um because how we do cook it is quite well we don't i don't want to say simple but how it looks on the plate is quite simple there's no sort of nothing's covering anything up it is what it is on the plate so we want to sort of find what's the what's the best out there and and use the best uh produce that we can so having being able to use these smaller guys i guess the smaller producers they have a, a point of difference um which makes it nice to be able to use them and just showcase them with a piece of piece of protein, just serve it with a sauce and maybe a little garnish on the side or, or, or things like that. So being able to use those and, and seeing what they've got and you know where it's come from, how it's grown and, and that sort of thing, there's no sort of nothing hidden behind the scenes that you don't actually know where it's from.
1: Aging the um, pork loins for a couple of weeks, why do you do that? What impact does it have and, and what sort of dish did you create with that?
0: Yeah, I, I find it sort of, it intensifies it, but it also tightens up the meat a little bit. Um, so we're at the moment, like I said, we've been aging it for two weeks. Um, and then we actually take it off the, we get it on the bone and we take the loins off the bone just for, I don't know, I guess it's just easier for us during service, but, um, then we make a paste from, uh, from black garlic and and burnt onions. Um, and then we glaze the pork um the loin in that then we cook it at a low temperature cook it at about i think it's about 80 degrees um we cook the pork just till it reaches the internal temperature and then we just sear it off in the pan just to give it a nice crust um so yeah it's pretty it's pretty tasty it almost it's almost like a i don't know i find sometimes it it tastes similar to like a a chinese pork char siu sort of flavor um yeah yeah it's pretty tasty
1: As you alluded to your um, creations, they look so simple, but they're so precise and beautifully balanced on the plate. Can you take us through the creative process and talk through a dish or two and where the inspiration comes from?
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, it it is so simple, looks so simple on the plate. So everything has to be done perfectly, like whether it's whether it's portioned correctly, whether it's cooked perfectly, whether it's if it's something that's a little bit out in a jar then the whole dish is completely off like if the sauce is a little bit out or any anything the 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 uh, garnish or the leaves aren't cooked properly or, or something like that and the whole dish is put out of balance so everything has to be done properly perfectly I guess um, and to a standard that we're all happy with and like the guys in the kitchen we're all we all know that like it's it just comes down to the point of you need to need to cook it properly, otherwise it just gets sent back, sort of thing. So that's where we're we're out in the kitchen and, and yeah, that's what we've got to do.
1: Tell us a bit about your working relationship with um Dan Puskus, um one of Australia's best chefs and Six Penny, obviously one of Australia's best restaurants. Um how does that collaboration work when you're creating a dish?
0: Yeah, I guess we both have both have ideas and we sort of we We have a i guess we go to one dish and and one of us will go around and play play around with a few options and ideas and then we just come together and and we'll both taste it at the, at the uh at the table sort of thing so it's sort of we don't it's sort of one person will come come up with the idea i guess um and then we just test it and taste it. If we're happy with it, then we can sort of move forward. If if not, then we have sort of a brainstorm and and, and work on something to uh, to move either move it forward or or start all over again. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of bit of work and, and time in into coming out with a dish, even though it does look so simple. Um, there's so much work that goes behind the scenes in in creating it and and I guess prepping it like some things for instance on the menu, like the mead custard. Um that's been on the menu for a while now, one of the first desserts. Um, it takes close to ten weeks to uh to actually make that before it gets onto the plate. Um yeah, because we, we make our own we make our own mead, which is a honey honey wine, um, and then we take that mead and put a, a vinegar mother into it, which takes another sort of five five to six weeks. Um And turning that into vinegar, so yeah, all around it's about close to close to ten ten to twelve weeks um depending on what season it is and how quick the uh the the alcohol is produced but yeah it takes takes a while just to sort of get that that dish on the plate.
1: You mentioned the pork loin that you're using. Um, Pork is such a versatile protein. How important is that versatility in the kitchen? And is there other cuts that you've used over the years um, that you can tell us about?
0: Yeah, like you said, it is versatile and and that's what makes it, I think, for me so special. Um, There's been a few dishes that we've sort of played around with. Um, There was one... A couple of years ago, we would get a, a couple of um, suckling pigs in and we'd get them in, I don't know, maybe twice a fortnight, one one a week, once once a fortnight, but we'd get two pigs in. So we'd have one each week um, and we'd bind them out or break them down into seven sections. So you'd get two legs, two shoulders, two pieces of belly, and then you get the head with the jowls and, and that sort of thing on it. Um, and every service we'd... We'd roast up one of the sections, um, and then we just give it out as an extra course to guests. So each sort of each sort of section or or uh, piece of the the pig would take different cooking techniques. Um, so we, we'd roast them all up, but everything could be different. So the bellies would we'd have a certain way to cook, and the the legs and shoulders we'd, we'd cook differently again. Um, but again, like, like I said, it was served so simply. Like we just serve it with a sauce that was made from a, a pork pork um, and, and yoghurt, and then we'd serve it with some um, summer savoury. So it was pretty simple, but it all sort of made sense because the, the suckling pigs were fed on yoghurt way um, when they were younger. So it sort of, yeah, like I said, it all made sense when you uh, when you explained it to the guests and how, how things all went together and it went back to how the pigs were actually fed um with their diets, and then there was there was yogurt on the plate, and and that sort of thing.
1: With uh, the restaurant being so successful, what sort of pressures do you feel to maintain that status within the industry?
0: Um, well, I think, I guess, the guests nowadays have a. There's a lot more knowledge. Um, as a guest, they they have a, the perception of of knowing more, they, they want to know where things come from and, and how it's grown and, and that sort of thing. So being on top of that I guess. Um and again that's having that knowledge of working with small producers and be able to talk with them and then you can sort of we have the the option the uh opportunity to actually speak uh face to face with the guests, which is uh another thing that sixpennies so good for. We get to explain explain the dishes when we uh we take them out to the table and, and that sort of thing, which is a uh, another thing and, and point of difference I guess. Um for, for sixpenny. Like we get to explain it instead of coming us passing it on to a waiter and then the waiter passing it on to the guest. We get to go face to face with the uh with the guest ourselves. So being able to explain that I think I think it makes it uh a pretty special pretty special thing to do. Um And, and yeah, like I said, it gives that point of difference to to change things up for the guest.
1: What's that experience been like for you as a chef that's normally in the kitchen cooking and then having the interface and connection with uh, consumers every single service? Was that challenging at first or is it something that you've grown to love?
0: Um, At at first, yeah, I was shit scared. I hated going out. (laughs) I'm not a big fan. Like I... i i i do I do love it and trying to get that sort of that message across of what we're trying to do and and like i said um and pushing the what the farmers are trying to do and that sort of thing pushing that across to the the guests and making sure they know all that and and that sort of stuff but um yeah when when we first started doing it it was uh it was a pretty scary thing uh especially when i was I was cooking on a section. Back when we first begun and uh and then I was called up to take out something take a dish out to the the table and I was, yeah, I was like I had no idea what I was doing and yeah it was pretty pretty confronting at the beginning, but uh yeah, it's not too bad now, like it's I don't know like i said it's it's enjoyable to go out and and talk to a guest and and sort of get that that uh that story behind each dish and and how it began and the thought process of it and and like I said, the farmers and get their story across and, and it's nice to be able to tell tell the story to the guest.
1: What is it that you love about what you do?
0: Uh, I think it's just, I don't know, in, cooking, cooking for me is, I, don't know, I think it was everything. Like I, I come home, you will come home after working a 12-hour day and I still, like, I still want to cook dinner or I still want to do that sort of thing or the next day I still want to cook again. Um, I guess it's something that I really... It's something that you really need a passion for because it's not the. It's probably one. I I think it's one of the hardest jobs there is. Um, you're stuck in a sometimes a small confined area with a couple of number of, number of other chefs. Um, in a hot area for hours and hours on end. Um, it's not the easiest work environment. Um, but again, it's something I guess you just gotta you just gotta love, and uh, I think that's what makes the most of it. You just gotta get in there and and yeah, give it a good hot, red hot crack.
1: What what does food mean to you and has that changed with your years at Sixpenny?
0: Um Yeah, it's definitely it definitely has changed. Like I when I I think the food at Six Penny has definitely changed um from the beginning. And I think I think i like to hope I've been a part of that as, as much as it has. But um at the beginning, it was a lot more. I feel like it was a lot more fine dining um, esque. Where nowadays, I think it's a bit more pared back and it's more. I don't know. It's it was it was a lot the flavour driven back then, but now I think it's like you said, it's very simple on the plate. So there's three touches, three or four touches on some dishes, but if they're not right, like it, it just doesn't. The balance of the whole dish is just completely out. So I think just having that. Uh, Having that sort of thing, um, yeah. I do My food, my food has definitely changed from from being like wanting to be the the fine dining where there's I don't know five, six, maybe ten touches on a plate to to something that's a little bit pared back, and and that's how I like to eat as well.
1: Well, Aaron, uh, it's extraordinary what you do, and um, considering how humble you are about it as well, uh, we've loved having you on the Crackling today to hear your story. Uh, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon
0: thank you for having me thank you
1: this is the crackling a deep in the weeds production in partnership with pork stars i'm anthony huckstep stay tuned as we catch up with some of australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes australian pork so special